Welcome to Addicted to Busy, the podcast specifically for overachieving property managers who are dying for a little more work-life balance in their lives. Each week, we dismantle all the BS that holds us back. You'll learn how to nix those tricky self-sabotaging habits so that you have the time, energy, and motivation to create what you really want in life. If you're looking to shift from overcommitted to overjoyed, this is the podcast for you. Let's do this. Now, your host, Anna Havalyana. Hello, and welcome back to Addicted to Busy, the podcast all about work-life balance for busy property managers. I am really excited to share some news today about a personal goal that I finally achieved. As most of you know by now, I am a long-distance runner, and I usually run about two to three road races a year. And I've been trying for the last four years to get a personal record on my half marathon, and I have been consistently failing for the last four years. And it finally happened this last weekend up at the Door County Half Marathon. After four years of running and experiencing a lot of pain and going to races and failing, I finally got another PR. So if you can't tell by now, I absolutely love setting and struggling through goals. And I can hear a few of you out there probably saying, yeah, yeah, good for you. But I got to say that I wasn't really like this at first. For the most part, I rarely set goals for myself because the reality was, was that I couldn't handle failure. I had a horrible habit of wanting to do certain things. I would set out to do them. And then at the first obstacle that came my way, I would quit. I would make it mean something about me. I would totally fall back and just give up. But once I tasted success a few times, I started to figure out that the feeling of doing something that you have never done before is worth suffering through all of the failure. This completely changed my mindset about what I focused on and what was fueling my motivation. For the most part, in early in my career, my focus was basically on just getting by and hitting all of the milestones that society has laid out for us, such as get a job, buy a new car, find a significant other, get married, buy a bigger house, buy a different car, have kids, get promoted, get a bigger property, get nominated for an award, become an advisory board member. (laughs) You name it. I was really, really going after milestones. But now my mindset is slightly different. Instead of focusing on just getting by and hitting certain achievements that people will see, I'm overly curious about what I'm capable of. Now, this isn't to say that I don't go after those things. I definitely still want all of those things in my life, but there's a big distinction. At first, when I was trying to hit these milestones, I was trying to earn my worthiness. I was trying to seek out validation from the people around me. Now, my current mindset is basically all about finding out what I am capable of. And all of those milestones still happen as a byproduct of seeking out my capacity instead of seeking out validation. This has made life so much more fun. I live in a constant state of curiosity, and there's far less judgment that I give myself about what I've done versus what other people have done. 
It's really interesting reading through past journals and reviewing some of the achievements I've accomplished. Uh, Two of my favorite examples are running a marathon and buying a duplex. When I look back on those past journal entries, I was so convinced that I couldn't do those things. I was so convinced that I wasn't capable, that I didn't have what it took. And then as I read through the entries, as I was in the middle of achieving those things, I could start to see the shifts in my mindset and the shifts in what I was choosing to think. Now, I'm not trying to persuade you to run a marathon, but I am asking you to consider that basically you get one life. And that if there is something that you love to do or have been interested in doing, you deserve to know if you're capable of achieving it. As busy managers, of course, it gets very difficult to fit in goals when you are managing buildings, managing tenants and vendors and trying to raise families. It's not uncommon that I will run into property managers at conferences or trainings who tell me like, hey, I really want to start this side business, or I want to lose this weight, or I want to make this career shift, but they don't because they're currently feeling overwhelmed by the current demands of their properties. It makes complete sense. I've said it a hundred times. I'm probably going to say it a hundred times more. The property management industry draws in a lot of perfectionists and people pleasers. Now this is a catch. Perfectionists can't stand to not do things right. So in many cases, they don't start at all. I'm guilty of this myself. I can't tell you how many times I thought the thought, I'll go after that goal or after that thing after this turn season or after Camrex are done or after budget season is done. And then that day never comes. For years, I just kept putting off things that I was interested in because I needed to do things perfectly. But I guess the question that I would pose now is, who cares? Who cares if you don't do things perfectly? Who cares if you're not consistent? Who cares if you don't do it right? I'll give you an example. One of the current challenges that I've given myself as of late is that I have always wanted to learn how to salsa dance. As a kid, I watched the movie Selena probably a hundred times, give or take. And I loved the music. I loved the costumes and I loved the dancing. Dancing was never something I did as a kid. I never took lessons. I basically had two left feet. And recently I decided that this is a challenge I want to try out. I enrolled in a couple salsa dance and bachata classes in my local community. And to be honest, I did fade in and out of taking classes because of how much traveling I was doing, speaking at conferences. Now, the past me would have just quit altogether because it wasn't perfect, because I wasn't consistent, because I wasn't going to class every week, because I wasn't practicing in between classes. But the current me just says, hey, who cares? So long as I'm getting out and moving my body and having a good time, it really doesn't matter. I no longer care about making mistakes or looking like an idiot. I am literally just there for the learning. I once had a mentor. You've heard me talk about them before but they kept telling me that I could do more. And at first I wouldn't believe them. I felt so pushed to the limit every day at work and at home that I couldn't fathom doing more. The thought that used to run through my head on repeat over and over and over again was how do people with kids do this? I can barely take care of myself. But when I think back to what my mentor was telling me, 
they were right. When I really looked at how I was using my time, I was losing a lot of time to scrolling on my phone, staying up late, watching Netflix. Most days I was showing up to work very, very lethargic because I wasn't eating enough and I wasn't getting enough sleep. And this is honestly one of my favorite parts of coaching is helping managers reclaim more time and energy with simple tools that once you know them, you can never not know them. Now, here's the thing. Once I show managers how to stop task copying and dilly-dallying and procrastinating, the next thing I have to teach them to do is make sure that they don't give all of that newfound time and energy back to the habit of overworking. What we really want to do is give all of that newfound time and energy either back to our loved ones or back to our hobbies or both. We want to spend that time filling our cups so that we can show up to work with more energy. When you give yourself a respite from work, it's easier to keep loving your job. When you're working all the time, it is far too easy to become resentful. Now, most people aren't consciously aware of all of the ways that they're spending their time. They're not aware of how much they spend, how much they eat, how much they drink, and they aren't always aware of how many hours they are putting into their jobs. This is all about becoming aware and becoming conscious. What we want to do is start taking stock of where we're giving our time. One of the exercises that I give my clients is making decisions ahead of time on how much they're going to engage in hitting that easy button. And after about one week of doing this, they are very, very annoyed with this exercise. But it's one of the most eye-opening exercises that you can do for yourself. I know when I went through this, when I started to actually look at the data of how much time I spent on my screen, it blew my mind to see how often I scrolled Instagram. I'm embarrassed even admitting it here on the podcast. This was at the time that my business was still a side hustle. So when I would come to coaching and tell my business coach that I quote unquote didn't have time, I knew it was a lie. I had plenty of time. I was just spending it on Instagram. We can get stuck in loops based on our environment and based on how we've been programmed. We all have bad habits that we would love to change. Now, here's the thing. Most people don't change unless they're forced to. But when you start taking on challenges that you choose for yourself, you are intentionally changing because you've asked yourself to. And that changes the game entirely. Listen, life is going to throw you challenges that you have absolutely no say in. We're going to call this a forced challenge. For example, if you're renting and your rent gets increased, you are now either forced to budget or to make more money or move. Another forced challenge is when the doc tells you that you're pre-diabetic. You are forced to change your habits. On the flip side, a chosen challenge would be something like running a marathon seeking out a promotion or a savings goal. You don't technically have to do any of these. You're choosing to. Here's the thing with either challenge, whether you chose it or whether it was forced upon you, there is going to be negative emotion present. We kick back to this example that I was giving you earlier about salsa dancing. That was a chosen challenge. Now, on the outside, it does sound like a lot of fun. It sounds like it might even be easy, but the reality is, is that it wasn't at all. (laughs) 
I had to feel the negative emotions of showing up to group classes where I knew no one. I had to suffer the embarrassment of tripping on people's feet, forgetting what I was doing. There were many classes where I had absolutely no clue what the heck was going on and I was counting the minutes until class was done. I even talked about this on a previous podcast. I've had to feel the negative emotions of choosing to go to that class over choosing to get caught up on emails because I know that it's far better for me to get some respite from work than it is for me to overwork myself. The biggest piece of this is whether you have made a decision. Are you deciding ahead of time that you want to go after a challenge or are you waiting until life presents it to you? A lot of people don't choose challenges on purpose or intentionally. They just live their lives and there's nothing right or wrong about that. If you're not a go-getter, if you're not somebody who really wants to push yourself to the limits, that is totally fine. But even that's just a decision in itself. That is a conscious choice. Today, I'm going to make the argument that choosing challenges for yourself is going to help you grow in a way so that when you face a forced challenge, you are going to be more ready. So I'll give you an example here. What I have learned from long distance running has helped me immensely in my career. So when you think about long distance running, I know it sounds very simple. You just put on your shoes, run out the door, and that's it. But really, there is quite a bit that goes into it. For example, when you are doing long distance runs, you have to plan that into your schedule. And when some of those runs are two to three hours long, you have to be somebody who knows how to manage their time and knows how to negotiate priorities in order to get those long runs in. So as I was training for the marathon, I was sharpening up my time management skills. The next thing that I really had to sharpen up on was sleep. More of my time was going to running, which means that there was less time available to me in my personal life. Now, the past me would have just said yes to absolutely every networking invitation or social invitation, and I would have done it at the expense of my sleep but I had to learn how to prioritize that. The other thing that I needed to learn how to do was how to fuel myself right. Listen, I have trained for races on Domino's and Starbucks, and I have also trained for races on good, healthy foods. <laughs> there is a huge difference in how you feel between those two experiences. I learned a lot about nutrition. I learned a lot about setting healthy habits and finding super simple, easy recipes that I can make quickly and efficiently. All of this was done in an effort to finish a half marathon. But the reality is, is that I was equipped with all of these tools that I needed when my building went up for sale. <laughs> there are seasons and there are times of the year in property management where the hours are long. And sometimes there really is no way around that. And when those moments kick in, I am so thankful that I have all of these tools that I learned from long distance running that I know how to prioritize sleep, that I know how to prioritize my nutrition. I remember there was an ownership group that I was working for and they often bought and sold multiple buildings at once. And it took a lot of time. During that time, I had to prioritize taking care of myself alongside making time for work and alongside making time for others. And because I had gone through all of that with the marathon training, I knew exactly where my limits were and when I needed to honor those. When we choose challenges that we want to go after for the sole joy of just going after them, 
It requires us to make a lot of decisions ahead of time, and it requires us to manage our minds. We're going to have to look at the habits that are getting in the way of us achieving our goals. And I'll tell you this much, it feels so good to be in control. (laughs) Scrolling Instagram used to feel so instantaneous. I used to feel like I had no control over picking up my phone and then being five minutes into scrolling. And on the flip side of this, now I have limits with myself and social media, and it feels good because I don't go to bed feeling regret or shame that I spent so much time on my phone. Another thing that happens when you pursue chosen challenges is that you have to understand what it is that you're feeling. Keep in mind, our feelings are what drives our actions or our inactions. Having emotional awareness is either going to get you to the finish line or hold you back from it. Doing long distance takes a lot of perseverance, as does turn season and budget season. So what you learn with one challenge you get to use that tool in every other challenge that you face ahead. 50% of the time, we are going to feel positively and 50% of the time, we're going to have to feel negative emotion. And with chosen challenges, you are intentionally choosing to take on some of that negative emotion. You're gaining more exposure to it, which means that you're going to learn how to process it and be with that emotion. When you do that, You learn to stop hitting the easy button and you learn that you don't have to escape your negative emotion. The most successful managers are going to be the ones who can be with uncomfortable emotions, but not react to uncomfortable emotions. You've heard me talk about the easy button before, but hitting the easy button is our brain's way of avoiding pain. If I'm feeling stressed, I can just overeat. If I've had a long day at work, I can just get a glass of wine. If I have tasks that I need to do at home, I can put it off by scrolling. If I don't want to take responsibility for how I showed up that day, I can certainly avoid that pain by gossiping. Now, that's not to say that there's anything inherently wrong with eating, scrolling, or venting, but we got to get clear when how much we're engaging in those behaviors is getting in the way of us achieving bigger goals. The key here is to find the thoughts that are creating that negative emotion. And then allowing yourself to feel that emotion so that you don't automatically turn over into hitting the easy button. This part is uncomfortable. When you start to look at the thoughts that are driving your actions and results, that might be a new experience for you. If you've never done this work before, if you've never journaled or done thought work, this might be the first time that you're asking yourself to uncover your opinion of yourself or uncover old beliefs that aren't serving you anymore. Doing things like journaling, thought work, therapy, coaching, meditation, are much like cleaning up our thoughts. I love the analogy of tidying up your house. If you're listening to this podcast and you're embodying some of the lessons that you've heard, you're tidying up the house, you are cleaning up your mind. But actually sitting and doing real thought work and really uncovering those beliefs, that's not just tidying up the house. That is tidying up the house and taking out the trash. If you don't take this work past the podcast, it's like you're cleaning your house, but you're leaving the trash in the house. Doing thought work is actually taking that trash out to the dump so that you are 100% free of it. Your past thinking is how you got to where you are today. 
the results that you have in your life are the results of the thoughts that you thought, the feelings that you generated, and then all of the actions that you took from there. The whole purpose of emotion is to get us to take action. And we have a lot of agency and authority over what we choose to think and what we choose to create. So said another way, you are the cause of your own future, but it depends on what you're choosing to think. Are you choosing to think intentionally? Are you choosing to act intentionally? Or are you just showing up at the will of your pre-programmed belief? When you get into the habit of managing your mind, nothing's going to sneak up on you. You're not going to wonder how you gained weight or how you got into debt. You will know because you will know the thoughts and feelings that drove you to that result. You won't even be surprised when you get that promotion because you will know the thoughts that got you closer to that promotion. Whether it's positive or whether it's negative, you will have more agency and understanding in how you are creating the results that you have in your life. And this is great news because you can start to think intentional thoughts, right? Which means you're going to start creating new patterns and habits in your life. And then those become ingrained and that becomes your new way of being. In essence, there's not going to be any more empty promises that you make to yourself because you're going to prepare your mind before you promise. The more effort that you put into this in the beginning, the sooner your new habits will become effortless and the more inevitable those goals will become. Now, most people don't believe me when I say that all it takes is a notebook, but it's true. All of the goals that I've achieved have come from being deliberate about my thinking. So I'll say it again, the more effort that you put into the beginning, the sooner your new habits will become effortless and the more inevitable your goals will become. Listen, change is hard. It goes against homeostasis. Our brain is designed to seek out routine because it's effortless. And most people don't want to change unless they're forced into it. But that's kind of what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to consider to be open to change, to choose change, which in essence means that you're asking yourself to be uncomfortable. But the benefit to this, again, is that when you take on intentional challenges, you are going to be far better equipped with much healthier habits when you experience forced challenges, when life throws curveballs, when you get news that you aren't expecting. So choose your own challenges. This industry is demanding and it is easy to get sucked into the trap of overworking, especially if you identify as an overachiever. But this is where you have to take a stand and set your boundaries. So many managers fear that if they don't put in the extra hours that they're going to get behind. But in many cases, we're getting behind because we're exhausted and we're unable to work at our full capacity. This is why I love this work so much. When you get back to consistently working 40 hours a week or less, it is a hundred times easier to love your job. You start to nix all of the exhaustion and resentment because you've given yourself ample time and energy to refill your own cup. So speaking of that, I am on hiatus next week as I take some time off with family. So there will not be an episode next week because I practice what I preach. I am intentionally choosing ahead of time so that my priorities are clear. I'm challenging my own perfectionist mindset by saying that, no, I do not have to post an episode every single week. 
And again, I can hear a couple of you out there saying, yeah, yeah, easy for you to say you're your own boss. Uh, but the reality is, is that because I am my own boss, the temptation to overwork is actually higher because I don't have a steady paycheck. If I don't work, I don't earn anything. So this choice to not post an episode next week is an example of intentionally managing my mind and making sure that I take time off, even when my brain is screaming at me that there are a thousand things to do. So I will miss you next week, but I encourage you to take this time to go back and review an episode that you loved. Maybe see if you can pull out any more aha moments from it or find yourself in that episode. And if you have a favorite episode, would you kindly do me a favor? I would love it if you could rate this podcast and share it with a friend. Rating and reviewing the podcast helps other property managers find this work. And if it's been useful to you, there's a big chance that it's going to be useful to somebody else. Addicted to Busy is a small woman-owned business. And so your referrals and renewals mean the world to me. So if you're feeling up to it, I would sincerely appreciate it if you could rate the podcast and share it with a friend. All right, my friends, until next time, I love you. Keep going. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Addicted to Busy. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. This helps others find the show, and we greatly appreciate it. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch you in the next episode.